Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, it is my unique privilege to welcome a very, very distinguished doctor, leader in the health space, Professor K. Srinath Reddy. Srinath, welcome to the show. Namaste. Hi. Uh, Professor Reddy is uh, the president of the Public Health Foundation of India. He's the former head of cardiology for All India Institute of Medical Sciences. He's been recognized globally and is associated with several medical schools, including Harvard and University of Sydney. He's an awardee of the Padma Bhushan and he's an author of a book called Make, it, Make Health in India Reaching a Billion Plus, and we'll talk about it. So tell me a little bit about your you know, your, your early life and what would you say are three key milestones that you remember? Well, I was born in uh, Madras, which is uh, Chennai now. My father was a lawyer at that time practicing in the high court. Mm -hmm. And my mother had just graduated from medicine and was doing her internship. Okay. I just completed. And later on, uh, we moved with the reorganization of states. Mm -hmm to Guntur and then to Hyderabad, where I did most of my schooling. Mm -hmm. And then subsequently, I went to Delhi to study at the All India Institute of Medical Sciences. I had done my MBBS from Hyderabad, from Usmania Medical College. But my MD medicine and DM cardiology were from the All India Institute of Medical Sciences. Okay. I joined the faculty in 1980. But then while working there, I went to Canada for my training in epidemiology, mm -hmm. did a master's in epidemiology, came back, uh, was a cardiology uh, faculty member, a clinical cardiologist, but also a researcher. Okay. And over a period of time, I gravitated into public health. So I would say the three turning points in my career were taking up medicine in 1967 okay. when by aptitude, I was much more inclined towards social sciences, political science, sociology, and so on. But nevertheless, my father wisely advised me mm -hmm. that many of these subjects could be also self-taught okay. through self-directed learning. But having a professional training in a structured manner would make me useful for life okay. to serve society. Mm -hmm. And there would be really an opportunity to work and contribute throughout my life. Mm -hmm. So that's why I veered towards medicine. It, though it was my mother who was a doctor, it was my father who influenced me more in that decision. Mm -hmm. okay. The second turning point was in 1977 when I finished my MD medicine in All India Institute. And I was very much attracted towards immunology. But I had already made up my mind that I was going to serve in India. Because uh, though my, many of my classmates had left for the United States, I felt I was more relevant for India. Mm -hmm. And that's where my future lay. Mm -hmm. So when I had to choose between cardiology and immunology, I weighed the considerations and felt immunology was at that time still in a relative state of infancy in India in terms of laboratory capacity. Mm -hmm. I would not be able to really make major contributions if I remained anchored to India. Whereas cardiology gave me ample scope for that. Mm -hmm. So I went into cardiology. So that was the next decision point. Mm -hmm. The third decision point was when I gave up my chair in, uh, in cardiology at the Indian Institute of Medical Sciences. Mm -hmm. And in 2006, 
I became the president of the Public Health Foundation of India uh, to establish public health institutions in India. Later on, too, I turned down uh, several opportunities, including in the World Health Organization and in the government of India, because I felt uh, this was a need uh, that uh, had to be served in India. And I felt that my commitment must continue with the Public Health Foundation of India. That's so these, amazing. I think, are my career tracks. That's an amazing kind of track. Right? And I was just going to ask you, you know, your father was a lawyer. Why didn't you choose to go into law? But you, you told me that he wanted you to be in medicine. So that's amazing. Yes, my father was uh, in politics too. I mean, he was an independent member of Rajya Sabha. Then he became a minister in Mrs. Gandhi's uh-huh. cabinet. So I did not veer into politics either. <laughs> I, I stick to the broader arena of public health, which right. also interfaces with public policy in very many ways. Very interesting. Okay. So let's talk uh, of PHFI, the Public Health Foundation of India. What are the roles, uh, Dr. Eddie, of PHFI and IIPH? Well, the Public Health Foundation of India is the umbrella organization which has established five institutes of public health, which are called the Indian Institutes of Public Health in different regions of the country. And they uh, impart education in a variety of structured courses mm-hmm. in public health uh, to a people from multiple disciplines. These are postgraduate training programs. Undergraduates in any course can come into public health because we see public health as a multidisciplinary area of learning with a scope for multi-sectoral application. So PHFI establishes these institutes in different regions mm-hmm. and uh, conducts these educational programs, which also actually are accompanied by research, which is locally relevant. But at the PHFI central, we actually coordinate not only the teaching programs, but all India collaborative research programs, which are also very relevant to public health knowledge and knowledge translation. We provide technical support to central and state governments. We also try and develop problem-solving affordable health technologies for application in primary health care. And we also do advocacy on a number of public health issues. Uh, But uh, therefore, it's a much broader platform when you take the foundation, whereas the institutes are primarily dedicated to education and research, Mm -hmm. but wherever they are located, in that state and in that region, they also provide technical support uh, to the relevant uh, local stakeholders, government as well as non-governmental. Okay, that's very interesting. And you know, for the thousands of people who will listen to you and me talking and uh, view us, how is public health defined in India? Well, the definition is very variable, but we see it as a broad confluence of multiple disciplines which impact upon the determinants of health Mm. at the population level Mm. to ultimately result in benefit to health at the individual level. Mm. So we are really looking at policies, we are looking at systems, we are looking at programs, we are looking at community engagement, all of which are uh, acting at the population level, Mm. but the population is the unit. Mm. But the benefits ultimately translate into individual health benefits, whether it is prevention of disease Mm. or more efficient and effective management of disease. All of these will come under public health because it is also looking at systems organization. Mm. So to put it rather simplistically, clinical medicine delivers health in retail. 
Public health delivers health in wholesale. Okay, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. So you know, in in a, in a country which is on the one side, we speak about the youngest country in the world with sixty five percent below thirty five, and yet in a country which is aging fast. I'm told there are over 140, 150 million people over 60. What are the public health challenges we face in India? Well, we have the whole <coughs> spectrum of public health challenges in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have right from maternal mortality and maternal morbidity mm-hmm. related with pregnancies, which have gone awry, mm-hmm. or infant mortality, neonatal mortality, and under five child mortality. Mm-hmm. as well as child undernutrition these are what are traditionally called the diseases of underdevelopment but we also have problems of non communicable diseases which are affecting people at a relatively earlier age early onset and extensive disability due to cardiovascular disease diabetes chronic respiratory disease and cancers and we have a rapidly rising burden of mental health problems as well as well as road traffic accidents and injuries which are claiming a huge toll of life especially in the 20 to 49 year age group mm-hmm. so we have the whole uh, compendium of uh, public health challenges mm-hmm. though we are seeing transitions mm-hmm. we are seeing a lowering level of mortality and disability due to maternal and child health problems mm-hmm. and uh, communicable diseases infectious diseases but rising burden of non communicable diseases and injuries mm-hmm. however this is varied across the country mm-hmm. different states are in different states of transition mm-hmm. states in southern india are more advanced in health transition states in northern india are by and large earlier in health transition okay and uh, you know in in our country health is a state subject so what is needed in each state i was going to say what is needed to build a healthier india but what is needed to build a healthier state uh, across all all the country absolutely in fact we ought to look at it at the district level not even at the state level right. within each state uh, there are districts which are relatively backward and there are districts which are more advanced hmm. uh, take up for example look at the difference between western up and eastern up very true so you can see the contrast quite clearly hmm. so we do need to have that kind of disaggregated approach mm. for planning and implementation mm. and even there there will be rural urban differences so almost at the block level and ward level there has to be action correct but you certainly have to coordinate it at the district level mm. so i would say policy at the national level mm. planning at the state level mm. implementation at the district level well said so that has to be the approach well said so you know uh, the indian institute of public health are training a large cohort of public health workers how do you see these individuals integrating with a very very closely held medical profession well it, there is always a bit of a challenge there because there is a sense of insecurity <clears throat> among the people in the organized medical profession mm. who are not very keen on uh, non medically trained people coming in mm. they have resisted also the medically trained public health professionals for some time mm. taking up administrative positions in health programs and uh, in health planning right. but they are yielding ground over there mm. 
But when it comes to a non-medically trained public health professional, like a social scientist or a health economist or a health management person, mm -hmm. uh, then there's a far greater resistance. Okay. So what we try and persuade them is, look, those of you who are clinicians are much better off doing your clinical work without having to worry about administrative challenges. Mm -hmm. Secondly, those of you who have to run programs, now imagine an orthopedic surgeon or an eye surgeon suddenly being asked to manage a malaria program or an HIV program right. or a nutrition program. Mm -hmm. They're generally at sea. So you use your talent where it is best suited. Right. These people will reduce those concerns for you by ensuring much better system efficiency, which will also help you work better. Mm -hmm. So together we can actually organize a much more efficient and equitable and empathetic health system. Very true. And probably because of the dispersed, the dispersed nature of the five institutes that you have all over the country, the reach of your public health trained workers will be much deeper. Absolutely. We are training a large number of people. For example, in organized programs, our first flagship diploma program was a diploma in public health management, mm -hmm. which sort of hybridized uh, the precepts and practice of public health with that of management. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, you have to deliver also all the services. Mm -hmm. So that's why the management is also an important component. Then we have a variety of other programs as well, the classical masters in public health and the PhDs. And, but a number of customized diploma programs are also there. So we do have that reach. But in addition, we have customized training programs, including for primary care physicians as well as for non-physicians, but an array of customized programs. In fact, our training programs for primary care physicians in a number of chronic diseases have thus far trained 32,000 primary care physicians all across India. They've won every single uh, award in the highest category of uh, Quality Council of India, FICI, ASOCHAM, CII, name it, uh, for the quality of the skilling programs. Amazing. Amazing. So, you know, uh, Srinath, PHFI has also been playing a major role in managing COVID. Talk to me about the role you have played here. Well, there are three types of roles that we play. One is providing technical support to governments, mm -hmm. as in when we are asked, and doing independent analytic work, which also is offered to them as products for them to access and use if they're interested. Correct. The second is actual training programs, including the training of healthcare providers who are in the field or who are actually planning the programs. We provide an array of training programs, especially we have trained uh, primary care physicians and from across 31 countries, we have partnered with the research information systems and conducted a number of training programs in different aspects of COVID diagnosis and management, mm -hmm. which have covered anywhere between 17 to 31 countries, mm -hmm. now India, rest of South Asia, Southeast Asia, and Africa. Mm -hmm. So that is the capacity building component. And the third is analytics. Uh, we do a lot of analytics through our research and then that also helps inform policy much more. Our research is also partly implementation research, uh, and that also helps to decide where the problems are and how they can be sorted out. Okay. And lastly, we also engage in public education and public communication, yeah. mm -hmm. because it's absolutely important, particularly in these days of misinformation and fake news, that you provide the right kind of information to the people. Correct. Even tonight, for example, I will be answering questions in Hindi 
in all india radio at 9:30 tonight and this is a fortnightly program uh -huh. but whether in the print media or in the electronic media my colleagues and i from across the country are actively engaging with the people because ultimately it has to be people partnered public health okay so uh, you know let's move uh, to the next part of our conversation and let's talk about your book you know your book make health in india reaching a billion plus tell me about the book well uh, by about uh, 2010 the world health organization had come out with a world health report on financing for health mm -hmm. essentially on universal health coverage and coincidentally in 2010 the government of india set up a high level committee high level expert group as it was called uh, under the auspices of the planning commission but an independent body chaired by me with a number of other independent experts uh, to develop a framework for universal health coverage in india mm -hmm. by 2015 as you know it became a part and parcel of uh, the sustainable development goals right. universal health coverage and by 2017 it became a very important part of our national health policy mm. but the framework that we had prepared in 2011 unfortunately did not get implemented immediately mm. because of uh, a, a sort of a slump in indian uh, economic growth mm. and some alternate priorities that were set by the then government mm. but in 2017 it became a part and parcel of the national health policy and several of the elements from our report were picked up mm. but nevertheless there was not that much familiarity among the broader public about the content of that report and in order to really enunciate each of the principles there in a concise manner mm. but explain the rationale thereof and then bring the public into the conversation this book has been written much more for reaching the wider public rather than being an academic treatise mm. it's a relatively uh, concise book which is informing public policy but essentially to engage a broad band of stakeholders interesting and let me ask you one more question before i come to some a few questions for you personally we did speak about covid and i was reading an article somewhere where it said that the world has to be prepared for more and more pandemics yes. how should india prepare for more pandemics in future well it is very clear even if you look at Uh, the last 50 or 60 years of global history about 2/3 or more of all new outbreaks of infectious disease mm. have been zoonotic or from transmitted from animals to humans right that's not because animals have suddenly become malevolent towards human beings yeah. it is because we have established conveyor belts from the viruses and vectors living in wild forestry mm. into captive bred large animal veterinary populations mm. and then from there into the human habitat mm. and we have given them an easy passage to come uh, to multiply and to become more virulent mm. therefore we need to actually start from there so first is how do you actually build up a very good one health eco surveillance system which traces the microbial passage mm. from wild animals to veterinary populations to humans so that you get early alert signs and you can actually prevent and or also at least plan for control and more more effectively for an early uh, rapid response then of course the whole area of actually providing the response uh, how do you ensure that the response is there adequately in terms of containment 
as well as in terms of mitigation in terms of the kind of services that can reduce the suffering and burden due to it okay. so how are the preventive health services going to be planned how are the uh, the diagnostic and therapeutic services going to be planned uh, how is multi sectoral coordination going to be ensured all of that is a very important element of health system planning and that is where i think we ought to be much better prepared ideal thing is to prevent i mean if you can reduce deforestation if you reduce captive animal breeding for large scale food usage by reducing animal food intake and uh, reducing air pollution which also uh, amplifies some of these problems mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that can be done outside of the health sector mm-hmm. and we need to influence those but we certainly need to gear up our health services mm-hmm. both in terms of early alerts as well as a rapid response very well said so i'm going to move to a few questions for you personally now Professor Reddy, you have had such an amazing career, you know, a lot of recognition, not just in India, globally, leading an amazing set of institutions, PHFI, everything. What does success mean to you? Well, it's uh, difficult to de- uh, define what success means, mm-hmm. but I would say attainment of my goals mm-hmm. without compromising principles. Okay. Okay. that is how i look at success well said because if you have only attained success but you have compromised principles in the process that's a failure on another front mm. so you cannot afford that very well said very well said my next question is that we just spoke about success my next question is where do you draw your inspiration from actually i draw my inspiration from young people okay because one of the things that has always helped me is that i've been in the teaching profession as well apart from being a care provider mm-hmm. and uh, i've also interacted many times with school students because we have been running programs in many schools across india mm-hmm. but particularly in delhi uh, where we actually uh, i mean impart life skills education but uh, in a very interactive manner mm-hmm. and of course i dealt with medical students at various levels now i am dealing with public health students at various levels mm-hmm. and i deal with young faculty members it is their energy and enterprise that actually infuses a great deal of enthusiasm into my life every single day wonderful. i get energized by their energy wonderful wonderful i'm going to ask you my last question now and uh, that question is that i come back to the pandemic it's affecting everyone around the world how are you rethinking your life in a new world order well i don't know what the new world order is <laughs> well uh, even as we're waiting for the results of the us election we don't know what the new world order is going to be but i recognize that i am passing on in years and while i retain my enthusiasm i must recognize that the new world order requires new people to take up leadership roles correct in which case i'll continue to be energetically engaged in my own intellectual quest mm. of reading assimilating new knowledge trying to absorb new information mm. uh, eternally curious but also trying to look at where solutions lie mm. but in terms of leadership positions i believe it is time for younger people to take over mm. and i will be available to assist and advise them as per need and as as per demand you know when i was physician to two prime ministers of india right uh, my motto and i also advised some of the people who succeeded me mm. in that position that a physician to a prime minister 
particularly a personal physician who accompanies him on travel, mm. has to be always available but never visible. Okay. Because it doesn't look good to find the Prime Minister always having the doctor hovering mm. around. Mm. But he must always be available. Okay. So similarly, even in public health, whichever institution, Public Health Foundation of India, Indian Institutes of Public Health or other public health institutions that are coming up in India or elsewhere in the world, if anybody wants my assistance, I'll always be available. But I will not be visible on the front of the screen because it's time for younger leaders to take over. What a, what a nice answer. Professor Reddy, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and honor speaking to you. I wish you and PHFI lots of success. Thank you very much. Very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.